0: Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Okay, today we are here with Mr. Andrew Wagner. He is the head instructor at the Longmont School for Ripple Effect Martial Arts. He's a third-degree black belt, and he's a real good friend, too, I should mention, and someone who has taught me a lot about sparring. Um, as I was coming up, uh, uh, through the ranks on my black belt journey. So really great to have you here today. Thank you so much, sir.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor and pleasure to be here. And, um, one of the things that I'm so excited about when you asked me to, uh, to, to talk with you here today, um, was the fact that you and I have matched up a bunch of times with sparring and it is some of the most memorable and fun matches that I that I that I've ever been in. And so I was just so excited to be a part of this conversation today uh with one of my favorite people and one of my favorite people to spar. And you know with the pandemic I'm bummed that we haven't been able to spar too much you and me, but like I'm looking forward to getting back to it.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank that's a huge compliment. And um I I agree that the 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 memorable matches I've had among them at the at the pinnacle um was at my certified black belt test in longmont some years ago mm-hmm. um and you and i were were the competitors at, at at the end of that black belt sparring ring yes sir and, um i, I want to get to that i want to get to that because mm-hmm. something, actually there's a question that's been on my mind for, for all these years but uh to begin So we're, we're going to talk about sparring today. We've ha- had a, a sparring focused month of March and sparring during the pandemic has almost been off, um, the table. There's been no sparring on, on the mats for, for about a year, but it's, we just found a way to reintroduce it safely. And, um, so we, we wanted to talk some about that, but, uh, Tell us, first off, just just to get some background, um, what's your history in the martial arts? When did you start training?
1: Oh, gosh. So I started training at, and I'll try and give you the, the kind of brief synopsis here. Um, I started training at seven years old with the career goal and career focus of becoming a Power Ranger. That was, that was how it worked in my mind as seven years old um I started karate because in my mind you did karate f- and then you did it for a while and then the Power Rangers got in touch and you got to fight Rita Repulsa I didn't know exactly how it would work I'm actually kind of still waiting on a call um but we'll see how that goes um I got started in a style called Shinjitsu Kai which is a close relative of uh, Shotokan karate very strict Japanese style of martial arts that's where I got my start uh training and teaching and uh, from there, I moved on. My second black belt is in Hatatsu which is in a style, again, based on karate, but that brings in some jujitsu and some Aikido and some different martial arts, some um, uh, judo all throughout um, the martial arts world to kind of make a more well-rounded style. And then uh, I joined Ripple Effect and got a strong education in kicks uh my previous styles like i'd done some jump kicks but our sparring never focused on kicks and i got to ripple effect and they're like we kick here and i go what's that mean And they go you'll see and so my first couple of sparring matches I was like oh my goodness these guys are incredible they're so good with their legs in a way that i'd never even considered so uh that's been something that's been a real uh a real honor and an education for me uh, to train at ripple effect and to learn a little bit more how to use my legs a little bit more effectively.
0: Wow. So back in New York in those earlier days, mm-hmm. did you spar? Yes, there was sparring involved in that
1: there camp. was, there was, it just, it was a little bit different focus, right? We focused since it was a Japanese art, we focused a little bit more on hands. The balance was a little bit more towards hands. There were some kicks, but not a ton. And then uh, shifting over here, there's more kicks and still you get to use your hands, but not quite as much. So I have been sparring, um, for, uh, don't want to say the number, but about 25 years now. So it's been, you know, it's been really cool to learn this new style of not new style of sparring, but this different style of sparring.
0: Wow. Um, th- that is really interesting that focus. And I think everybody comes to it with, uh, a, a different, um, Background that background in my case was completely blank. And mm-hmm. um so I I I'm I'm kind of tall and I thought I'm really gonna focus on the kicks. And mm-hmm. you know what happened? <laughs> I ended up getting punched all the time. And it's interesting how that dynamic kind of plays out. Um mm-hmm. you 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 don't necessarily know what to expect, and I think for a lot of students, um, who are listening just to kind of find out, I'm going to start sparring. This is going to be kind of my, my introduction and, um, wondering what to expect. Uh, what can you, can you talk about your, your, um, introduction to, to ripple effect Taekwondo, American freestyle Taekwondo sparring and, um, what you learned from that experience that might apply to people who are just uh, they're 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 approaching sparring for the first
1: time. Um, that's a really great question, Mark. And I think something that um, you know, I, I I certainly came to Ripple Effect with a boatload of confidence, and something that I would encourage everybody to bring to their sparring is a certain degree of humility. Um, when you come to sparring. It you know, it can be scary. It can be uh, something that you you think to yourself, like, oh my gosh, am I gonna get punched? Am I gonna get kicked? Like, what's gonna happen? Coming in with that humility of like, this is new for me. And the people here are gonna look out for me. That that right there is one of the biggest things that I can encourage students to do is to understand that sparring is not something where we're trying to to, to beat each other up. It's a it's a game of tag. We're really trying to learn how to use our our bodies, and our techniques that we've learned in class effectively. We're trying to learn how to use them with self-control. And so I urge them to bring that humility of, I'm new to this. Like you were saying, they've got this kind of blank slate. Even students who've been doing it for a while throughout the course of the pandemic, they've got this blank slate they've never sparred before. So bringing that, that idea of, I have a lot to learn here, will serve them well. It'll also serve them well to understand that Your instructors and your fellow students are not here to beat you up. They're here to work with you, to help you learn, to help you understand. Um, My first kind of exposure to sparring back in New York was a pretty negative experience. It was in a school that we hit and we hit hard. Ripple Effect is different. It's, 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 it's It's an environment where, yes, there are punches and kicks that do get thrown, but we're here to build each other up, not beat each other down. And that's, I think, the most important thing to understand.
0: Uh, i that's a great answer i um have uh g- grown up with that uh, so to speak um in in this system and seen that dynamic at work and mm-hmm. it really really incredible i think that uh what sparring it's kind of like what they say about board breaks sometimes you know what why do we break boards um you know it's not like a practical
1: thing i'm not going to go around breaking Mm -hmm. boards, right and well uh, home depot should watch out because (laughs) we got a lot of folks who are like public enemy number one at home depot they're like i can break that i can break that that's metal so no but i can break that like home depot you watch out and shout
0: out to home depot for uh
1: sorry thanks for sponsoring this episode
0: hundreds of of boards for us to break in a controlled environment but (laughs) I, i guess my point is that um we break boards because when you're throwing your punches and kicks at pads or in the air, your technique isn't necessarily being tested in the way that it is when you are trying to break a warden out. And when you're sparring, your technique is tested, but you you might be able to throw great combinations, really uh, quick combinations, um, really high kicks, but in the context of sparring against an opponent or multiple opponents um will those kicks and will those punches will those combinations connect will, um, mm-hmm. and, and the touches that you get so that the touches aren't hard but there is a touch and uh, um, th- that that visceral feedback taught me immensely um, over the years just res- receiving that feedback hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times uh was you know an incredible and valuable experience from the from the black belt journey. But um I so when when you were teaching sparring, you have
1: mm-hmm.
0: two students, let's say they're green belts, and this mm-hmm. is their 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 first experience they're getting introduced. Um, you bow and set them up with with let's say an exercise what's your what's your approach or or what do you want to see happen when two students are just getting introduced
1: what what i want to see happen is is a couple of things i want students to um you know when they get started i want them to understand that sparring is all about control and it's something that i like to tell all the students even before they touch gloves even before they Uh, get started in their first match is that any fool can hit hard. It takes a martial artist. That's that last word there, that martial artist to be able to hit hard and to choose not to. So when I see them square up for Spartan, I want to set them up with the idea of you're not going hard. Your objective is to simply tag them. Um, We talk about like in the game of tag, if you tag somebody even a little bit, they're it you've scored the point. You're, you're good to go. You didn't, you don't need to hit them hard. You just need to tap a little bit lightly. So what I want them to do is I want them to like, let's say they're green belts. I want them to square up with like high gold. Number one front punch, reverse punch. All I want you to do is punch high with that front punch and drop it a little bit lower. Get close enough so that your opponent respects that front punch. They actually put their hand up to block and they create an opening so that they can see this cause and effect relationship of I punch high and if my partner is convinced, they're going to block high, giving me the chance to punch low. And so all I want for them to do is come away with that control and that cause and effect relationship between the moves that they do and the response that they get from their opponent, the response that they get from their friend. I also wanted to come away with the idea that when they get hit, it's not personal. Your your martial arts is a, a a physical and contact sport, and we're friends. We're again, like I said earlier, we're not trying to beat each other down. We're trying to build each other up. And sometimes you get hit a little bit, and that's okay. And it's such an empowering thing to see, like those two brand new green belts that you that you that you mentioned there. Mm-hmm. It's so empowering for them to, and you can see it on their faces of. I took a hit and I'm okay. I'm okay. I got hit and I'm still here. I survived. How powerful an idea is that? Because there's I mean in this in this last year, I mean, we've had a complete lack of physical contact. A complete lack of of physical touch of any kind. And so you know, it's wild that these guys are coming in and their first, you know, physical touch in a year is people punching and kicking. That's amazing. And they take that hit and they're like, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm almost a god, basically. Like, this is awesome. So that's really what I want them to come away with is I I can take a hit and I'm okay. I can, I can, I can direct somebody else's behavior and I can score based on what I do and that this is a friendly thing this is something that is that is it is good and fun and tactile and interesting and cool and makes martial arts an interesting fun game to play
0: <laughs> that's all i'm so glad you mentioned control because one of my um favorite martial arts legend stories was from bruce lee's enter the dragon and oh yeah the famous scene where there uh, i i cannot remember the name of the martial artist actor who had the scar he's like the henchman Mm -hmm. in enter the dragon but they have their bout and um there's a a a famous scene where he has a broken bottle and he's going to get bruce lee with this broken bottle Mm -hmm. and bruce lee does a jump sidekick and lays out this this henchman well the rumor was according to the person who played that henchman that bruce lee was really angry with him. He'd done uh, something wrong in the choreography uh, earlier Mm -hmm. and that Bruce Lee was going to get some revenge on on this actor in real life. And that must have been mighty intimidating to be hunched down (laughs) uh, and awaiting a jump sidekick from Bruce Lee. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what happened? Of course, Bruce Lee does this unbelievably convincing uh, approach, incredible jump sidekick, and barely touches the other actor he's not hurt at all and it it, it just you know of, of course bruce lee uh is incredible has incredible power um and speed incredible control is something that he's known for and that's that's what i was taught to achieve also if you can Something actually, Master Macy, I I think more than anybody, taught me, without saying a word, he would just, his kicks um, and punches would touch and tap, and you would honestly feel the power. If it had
1: gone all the way through you, it'd be like through a brick wall. But It It would have gone all the way through you. You'd be like, I just have a foot-sized hole now. That's right,
0: yeah. I'd be in another planet or something. And uh, feeling that, but actually not being hurt at all and and right. that's an incredible thing to achieve i think it's um it's a goal I, I i continue to to have but um so what are some of the just just in the context of of this pandemic what are some of the safety um procedures that we're putting in place to to keep people safe in uh you know their their health as as sparring resumes.
1: Well, Mark, that's a really great question. That's something that we have thought long and hard about. In fact, we've thought about that for the bulk of the pandemic of how do we find a way to do this in a way that is safe, that is practical, that achieves the goals that we're looking for. I'm sorry, I'm just moving spots here real quick. Sure. That achieves, you know, that kind of feedback that our students are looking for. And we've been We've been spending this whole time during the pandemic trying to figure out a way to do this well. And so to speak to the safety procedures and protocols, what we're doing is we're having students come on in with their chest guard, their shin pads, and their foot pads already on. And that's especially for classes like Greenbelt and Up, where they're going to be sparring a good amount in those classes. We're having them bring their gear already like halfway on. So they got their shin guards, they got their foot pads, they got their, their chest guard, and during class... We get a chance to warm up and do all the same stuff that we normally do. Forms, it can be a little bit awkward in your pads, but that's okay. And what we do is after we've warmed up so that we don't overheat, we've only got half that gear on, um, when it's time to spar, we take a second, we hit everybody with hand sanitizer before they even leave to go touch their bag. We hit everybody with hand sanitizer. They go to their bag. They take off their mask for a brief second, put in their mouth guard, put their mask right back on over the top of that. And then they get hand sanitizer again right after that because it touched their mouth guard it's it's it goes in your teeth like we got to make sure that everybody's uh cleaned off with that then they put on their helmet they fasten their helmet they put on their gloves they stand up and they have their hands out ready to get another shot of hand sanitizer on the back of their hands so that they can rub it in with the back of their gloves and make sure that their stuff is all set to go as they're putting their gear on they're also wiping it down they're using Lysol wipes, they're using Clorox or whatever wipes to wipe off their gear, making sure that it's all safe and set to go for their sparring. So it's a, it's a fairly rigorous cleaning process. Those students who've sparred before, they're not going to be used to it, and it's going to take a little bit of getting used to and a little bit of training, but we're black belts. We're, we're martial artists. We didn't sign up for easy. We signed up to do something difficult, and this is a pretty robust idea of how we can move forward into sparring and it just takes a little bit of getting used to, and it's for the safety of everybody. And like I was saying before, any fool can hit hard. It takes the artist not to, that's what we're doing. Even with this safety protocol, we're trying to hit the germs hard so that we can just tap each other.
0: It's something that um, you can speak to directly. I, I, I have always kind of thought about this and I brought it up in a previous um podcast but the the preparation so you mentioned this is not something that you're used to necessarily getting on your pads this way taking care of your things this way attending to these kind of protocols um but for a firefighter they have a lot to pay attention to and the circumstances mm-hmm. aren't always the same and, and they've got to do things in a particular order for the sake of the team and um for those who don't know Mr Wagner is a former EMT and in, in, in New York. And you, some of these protocols have to match in some ways or, or prepare kids for the kind of thought that you get. Um, is it, 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 am I right
1: about that? Oh, yes. Um, not only do we have, you know, when, when I was an EMT, we would not only have protocols for how to clean all of your stuff, we had protocols for exactly what to do in any given situation. And what's really cool about um, like the pre-hospital setting is you get these set of protocols, and you don't have to ask anybody. You just You have your protocols. Somebody's having a heart attack. This is what you do. You don't have to call and ask a doctor. You don't have to call and ask a nurse. You just get done what needs to be done. And those protocols are in place to help take care of other people. And that's what we're doing right here. These protocols are in place to help take care of other people. And I mean, I studied my protocols forwards and backwards. I carried a giant stack of index cards with me in one of my in one of my thigh pockets in my in my in my EMT pants to make sure I'm on my way to a call. If I need to brush up, I pull out the protocols and I make sure because I don't want to be the weak link. I don't want to be the person who didn't do their best or didn't do everything that they needed to and have somebody suffer as a result. I wanted to make sure that we were prepared. I wanted to make sure that I knew what to do in any situation. So that's why we had those protocols and they were literal lifesavers. So it's, uh, you know, this kind of resonates with me and it kind of is a great, um, great kind of, Opener for a lot of kids, or a great kind of introduction mm-hmm. for a lot of kids and students to understand that there, you know, there are protocols in the world. There are certain ways that we have to do things, and those ways are not just designed to aggravate you or make you have to do a lot of stuff. It's to help other people, and by doing the steps and by getting them correct, just like you would with a form, you help somebody else stay safe. So why wouldn't you, right? That's awesome. I
0: um uh, in speaking of steps uh again to for for people who are new to sparring and might have an idea of it watch a lot of youtube videos or something like that um it's not all out it's not like always not even in terms of power but in terms of speed i remember jeff smith coming in and doing seminars um jeff smith the 10th degree black belt uh and famous uh kickboxer And he would do drills. And I remember the most difficult part for me during the course of those drills when he would say 50% speed, 50% Mm -hmm. speed. He would keep saying that because it wasn't just me. You get kind of, it was hard to slow down basically. Mm -hmm. But um, why why does he want you to be slow as you're practicing these sparring drills?
1: So... You know, we can actually tie that back to your first class, your first introductory class in martial arts. Um, anybody who's done a, a first intro with me will know I have you do a front punch in slow motion first. Because anything that anybody wants to do when they first start karate, they're like, I'm going to hit stuff. This is great. Let's do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to punch stuff. I'm going to hit stuff. And it's going to be awesome. And... They, they want to hit, they want to hit hard, they want to hit fast. And what happens when you do that, especially if you don't know the protocols and the steps for each movement, is you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes and you're going to build habits that are then very difficult to correct. So Jeff Smith, Grandmaster Jeff Smith, who is phenomenally quick and skilled and practiced, he got that way by doing it slow first by getting down each little tiny step of a front punch, extending straight out at the very end, turning it over so that you're hitting with your lead two knuckles, then bringing it back exactly the way that you're supposed to. Slowly again, slowly again, slowly again. Great, you're tired of doing it slow? Awesome, do it again. And until you have it as as like muscle memory and you can't do it any other way, and then you can speed it up a little bit. You can speed it up just a hair. If the technique stays, good. Speed it up a little bit more. Speed it up, speed it up, speed it up. And the other side of this is speed it up until you fail. Speed it up until you can't do the technique well, reliably anymore, and then back off a little bit. Practice it just under that so that you know, um, you know where your limit is. And you practice, practice, practice at just under that speed so that way in a couple weeks once you've practiced, you can move past that limit and find your new limit each time. So, you know, going slow has its advantages. And when you start sparring, that's where you should be. Start slow. Take it easy. It's not full bore. If you start to spar full bore right off the bat, that's how people get hurt. If you start sparring uh, with relaxation in mind, with um, with that kind of slow tempo in mind, that's how you're going to get comfortable sparring. And that's how you're going to ultimately get good. Right. I, uh,
0: I, I think... Um... It when you begin to time begins to slow down that's the way some Mm -hmm. fighters talk about it and um that happens when you receive so much feedback in that slow-mo controlled, Mm -hmm. uh responding to combinations and and delivering your own and um that's also where i've i've heard it many times that Uh, referees or instructors or even other spectators will describe something as beautiful. That word, um, beautiful, beautiful. And you're thinking, wow, that's an uh, aggressive fighting technique. And it's described Mm -hmm. as beautiful because it is like artwork. When you see that kind of response to a back fist reverse punch and somebody moves laterally and delivers a hook kick or something like that, um, it gets me excited just talking about it. But uh, what do you wh- what do you think helps prepare someone? So right now we are in the midst of this pandemic, and a lot of people are practicing uh, at home or or, or solo uh, via the virtual classes, or um, when they're practicing on their own. What are some exercises that people can do to improve? their ability to spar against an opponent.
1: So one of the best things that you can do to, especially I'm going to speak to the guys who are at home right now, because it can feel awful lonely. It can feel awfully separated and, and and far apart from um, the rest of the crew. And what we want to, I want to make sure that I speak directly to those guys who are practicing at home right now. We love you. We miss you. We can't wait until it's safe enough for you guys to come on back in whenever that is comfortable for you guys And what I want to have them do is find a training buddy at home, whether it's mom, dad, um, probably not baby brother, especially if they're tiny. But anybody who can hold a uh, a blue focus pad for you or a red focus pad or black or whatever color you happen to have, have them do that. Have them hold the pad in towards their chest and have them pop it out at a random spot. And you got to be able to be up and moving, bouncing a little bit with your sparring footwork and throw – Two punches towards that pad, and then they're going to cover it back up again. Then they're going to pop it out in a different spot. Throw two punches. Then they're going to pop it out in a different spot. Throw a punch and a kick. Throw two kicks. Throw a hook kick, round kick. Whatever it is, use your imagination a little bit and get used to, uh, like you were saying, Mr. Brady, that tactile feedback of this is what it is to actually hit something and stay up and moving while you're doing it. Do it 30 seconds at a time. Do it 45 seconds at a time just to get used to it. And you'll be amazed and surprised at how much fun it is. And then, you know, incorporate some movement. Have your parent scoot back a little bit and punch, punch. Have them scoot forward so you have to scoot back and punch, punch again. You can do a lot of these drills and you can get used to the idea of sparring even while you're at home too. So a lot of the drills that we're doing in class with pads can be done at home with parents um, and a couch cushion. And it, it gives you a great tr- uh, opportunity to train and do something fun with your family. Even if it's only for 10 minutes during class or practicing for five minutes uh, on your own, it's a really great way to have some fun and get used to kind of the idea of sparring and actually not just punching in midair or towards your computer screen, but towards an actual target.
0: And I'm glad you mentioned um, the movement because the, the footwork and the movement is something that was hard for me to grasp when I uh, was first starting to spar and you're teaching a special seminar on distancing this, Mm -hmm. this Saturday, really. And so give us some principles of some basic principles of distancing when you're, when you're sparring somebody else.
1: So one of the biggest, so I'm going to, I'm going to cover hands and feet on this one. One of the biggest things is using one of those pads, just like I talked about, to explore your body a little bit. Take a second and have your parent hold up a pad. And what I want you to do is hit it with your front hand and then hit it with your back hand. Then have them pull it back just a little tiny bit. Hit it with your front hand again, hit it with your back hand again. Have them pull it back a little bit, hit it with your front hand, hit it with your back hand again. Do that high goal belt combo number one, front punch, reverse punch. All I want you to do is scoot it back until you're just ver- barely at the edge of where you can actually hit. You have to have a good understanding of how long your arms are. And what's amazing is that a lot of people don't know. You, you you have them. You use them all the time. But if you were asked how long is your arm, you're like, I don't know. So it's like for real. And getting that kind of tactile practice is huge when it comes to mastering distancing and, ma- and understanding okay, my opponent is this far. I'm not even going to throw a punch because I know I'm not going to hit him. Then the co- the problem gets even worse when you move to your legs because they're so far from your brain, your brain's like, eh, they're whatever. We'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah. You don't honestly think about how long your legs are. And especially with kids, it's so difficult. They, they, they have the deck stacked against them. Mr. Brady, you and I, our legs are done growing. I'm not going to get as tall as my dad. Dang it. <laughs> but like, our legs are done growing. We have, a, we have a set distance that we can kick. All of the kids that we have right now, they're continuously getting taller. They're getting taller and taller and taller every day, so they have to practice. You know, How far away can I kick with my front leg? How far away can I kick with my back leg? How far away can I kick with my front leg if I add a little slide to it? How far away can I be with my back leg and still hit. I mean, I was working with a student just yesterday and she's awesome and she's got these amazing kicks and she's got legs that can kick you from a mile away. It's awesome. However, she still thinks she needs to be right up next to you to kick you when she doesn't need to be. She she could be four or five feet away and she can tag you with a side kick or tag you with a hook kick or round kick because her legs are that long. And she simply just doesn't know. So, when she's at home, I test her and her dad with practicing, you know, hold the, the pat up high and hold it far. Don't let her get close and have her hit um, from that distance to teach just how long this young lady's legs are. And this is, I would encourage every student to do this because it helps so much to understand your body. That is the body.
0: Go ahead. I just, I love that you really brought back a memory for me because um, uh, Master Macy did that with me years ago, and he was holding the pad at what I thought was across the street. Mm -hmm. And I thought I wasn't even moving. And I I, I thought he was going to come closer. And um, he said, I'm holding the pad where it should be, and -hmm. I want you to kick it. Mm -hmm. And... It took some time for me to develop the kind of coordination and confidence, but th- that was the challenge that was, the, mm-hmm. and he was absolutely right. And if anybody wonders why qualified instructors at a martial arts school, what they can teach you um, versus what you, you might, you know, the old karate kid you learned from the book or if you, uh, have somebody teach you. And this is the kind of thing that, that really helped. It helped me um, enormously. Well, Thank you so much for talking today. I, I, um, and given this insight, I wanted to get back to the very beginning, that sparring match in Longmont. Oh heavens! <laughs> so oh, we came down to to the last point, and mm-hmm. um, when when we set up again for that that last point, I mm-hmm. absolutely expected a punch combination. I mm-hmm. and I don't know if you remember, but you slid in with a sidekick that got me right in the ribs and it just it was I I just knew you knew
1: what was coming and I just how did you know that so something that I think Mr. Brady you'll 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 really kind of empathize with and you'll really understand is past a certain point sparring is it's of course an intellectual game of course it is a game where you are um, watching your opponent v- extremely closely and trying to understand every single little move that they're gonna do. And past a certain point, you cross this little bit of threshold, and like you're saying, time slows down a little bit, and it's just instinct. It's I have thrown enough kicks and I have seen enough openings that look exactly like that to know that I can hit that with a kick and I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and you've you 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 push to that point, and then it's that little bit past there where you just simply. You see the opening, and your brain just says go. And you don't have to think, you don't have to worry, you don't have to wonder what if it gets blocked or what if it, you know, what if this out of the other thing, you just go. And I gotta say, when we first started that match, um, and this is where I gotta, I gotta take a second and hype you here real quick, sir. When we first started that match, I'm gonna be honest. I really, I had about a million things on my mind. I was facilitating that test, and honestly, I wasn't paying attention. And you had me on the ropes. It was four to one at the end of that sparring match. And I'm like, holy smokes, I got to get my head in the game. And this is one of the things that I find the most beautiful, like you were saying about sparring, is that it brings you to a place where you have to be completely present. You have to be completely in the moment of what it is that you're doing. You can't look at anybody else, you can't be paying attention to anything else that's going on. You can't be thinking about your dog, you can't be thinking about your homework, you can't be thinking about anybody else. You have to be right there with the person that you're that you're working with and it's a really cool feeling to be that tied in with somebody else because you and I man, we were on the same wavelength. We were we were like you were kicking my butt and I was like I'm like I'm here for it. This is awesome like Mark is so good. He's so good. How did he get this good? I haven't seen him in ages. When did he get this? This is amazing. This is awesome. And in the back of my head, I'm like, uh, dude, you got to turn it on. Cause like you're gonna <laughs> get your butt kicked here. And you know, so part of the strategy, you know, I turn my head back on is reser- reverting back to basics, reverting back to what I was taught as basically a kid. Um, you know, you mentioned sparring before, and I mentioned that we were talked that we, uh, that we punched a lot and how I climbed out of that hole was the reverse punch. I'm not strong. Like I don't score a lot with my back fist. I can do it, but you're taller than me. So I don't employ that very often because it's not a practical technique for me. If I can get past those long legs that you've got, I'm going to get you at that reverse punch. Cause I know what I'm doing with it. Right. It's a technique that I've honed and that I've worked on.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I climbed out of the hole with that. Um, we got a couple, like a, a couple good kicks in there. And that last point, that was all instinct. That was just go. I see the spot. I can do it. I know how quick I need to be, how far he is. I know the distance. I know the timing. And I don't, I don't recall hitting you super hard, but I remember like, I, I need this much power and that's like to drive through any kind of distraction or block or anything that might be on the way. I need about this much power to make it happen. And I remember that. And I'm like getting like amped up just thinking about it. was yeah, such know, a good match. Yeah.
0: It, when when I when when you hit me with that kick, and it wasn't hard, but I remember feeling wisdom. I'm I'm not kidding. That that was my impression. Was just mm-hmm. oh, it, it was amazing. It was it was a very simple technique, but mm-hmm. wonderfully delivered. And um, yeah, I'll never forget it. Thank you for listening to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Find episodes and more at RippleEffectMartialArts.com.